Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. I'm Christina Boschman. And I'm Gianna Robustiano. We are so excited that you are here. What is Get Real all about? It's about you creating your best life. Are you ready to get real? In this episode, we are talking about understanding when you need to walk away in a relationship. And that's a tough subject. A lot of the things we talk about are. Mm -hmm. But we've all been there when there's somebody in our life that we really, we care about them. Mm -hmm. But we know that they're toxic for us. Yes. And that's that's a hard thing to realize, too, to even realize that that person is toxic. But once you do, you're like, okay, I need to make a decision for myself. Right. And understanding too what is what is toxic, yeah, for you. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it would be somebody who. Well, I think for a lot of people, like super, super controlling, yeah. or manipulative. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's not respecting you, yeah, in your space, yeah, and who you are, what you want in your life, exactly. Like and crossing like boundaries, and uh, there's so many things that goes under toxic, right? Right. There's a list of And it's them. a bandied about word too. Mm-hmm. People are always talking about what's toxic. Yeah. And this person or that person is toxic. Mm-hmm. So there's the question, right? You're you're in what you believe is a toxic relationship. And there's the question of so why are you still there? Yeah. And I feel like people might get to that point where they've just feel absolutely drained. And then you come to that point where you're like, why am I still doing this anymore? Cause you're hurting yourself. Like, and you realize that too. And I think that's when the change happens because you feel so physically and mentally drained and you're beating yourself down by being in this relationship. And it's, it's hard to stay in that. Like, why would you want to stay in that? Well, there is a lot of good reasons, yeah. right? Fear is one of them. Definitely. Yeah, fear. Like fear. my first marriage was incredibly toxic, but I stayed because first I had two young children and I was thinking, how am I going to support these kids on my own? That's huge. Yeah, and yeah. and that is huge for so many people. Like, how would I make this all work by myself? Mm-hmm. And that that's terrifying being in that place. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine what that experience would have been like in that situation because you have so much to think what's going to happen when I walk out of this relationship. Like, are we going to be okay? Right, and and being so torn because what you're saying about being so drained. I remember just being so torn because I would see what was going on and how the kids were mirroring their dad's behavior in their own life. And I remember just having that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm not teaching these kids how to have a healthy relationship with another human being. I don't want this to continue. Wow. And Ah. even then, it took me like another year and a half, two years to get out of there. And I think that the actual turning point was, as far as the kids went, 
was um, my older son, because it was all about control, right, and compulsion, because he had OCD, and my my um, ex-husband had OCD, and my younger, my older son, one day I was going in and redoing all their all their, their drawers in their bedroom, and I saw that he had little balls of hair that he had taken out of the comb and the brush, and he had fingernails in there. Like, mm. rather than throwing them in the garbage, he was saving them. And I thought, oh, my God, that's such a sign of going down the same road. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember at the time, because I was trying to understand what was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this all about, this thing? It was like an obsession all the time with not throwing things away, almost to the point of a hoarder, which he... He is now because mm -hmm. I haven't been there in years, and that's what I've learned from my kids. But to be in that place where there's some sort of attachment to stuff. I see. Right? Mm -hmm. And and it is, it's a mental issue. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't understand the intricacies of it because at the time I read a few books on the topic because I was trying to understand and I was seeing a counselor at the time, a therapist, and he had suggested a couple of books because I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to be able to stay there. I wanted to have a family because relationships are so important to me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to just walk away. Heck, I took a vow, right? Yeah. You... In sickness and in health. And this is a mental illness. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Yeah, that's that's so hard. And you... Like, you tried everything. You were looking up, like, how to figure this out and making a lot of realizations within that, too, because you have your kids and you don't want them to see, like, a toxic relationship and then they grow up and experience that. And that is so tricky, but it's so huge to be aware of that. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, too, people don't consider that. No. They're just thinking about how they feel about it. Yeah. And I've seen that, oh, so many times in my life, especially when marriages break up and then the parents are screaming and yelling at each other in mm -hmm. front of the kids, you know, stuff like that. But to to put the welfare of the kids' mental health first is hard when your own mental health is in the toilet, right? Like mm -hmm. I was with him for 13 years. Wow. It took me three years to make that final decision because I kept seeing, and I remember even saying to him one day, okay, we've done everything your way for the first 10 years. Let's do everything my way for the second 10 years. <laughs> and I honestly felt that way. I knew that wasn't going to happen, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to be that person anyway. I was just being wise mouth because I was feeling frustrated in that moment. But to come to that really realization that this isn't going to change and it's only getting worse. Mm -hmm. that That's huge because who knows what had what happened if it kept going, especially for your kids to, to see that and what kind of relationships they would have been involved in later in life. Like I think about my parents, they're always screaming and fighting and everything. And I have no idea what that is like being in, in that experience and having kids and everything. But I can't imagine it is easy at all. That seems so hard. And like I grew up thinking that it was normal to 
be in a relationship like that, like screaming and fighting and abusive and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and same with like my brothers as well. And you learn that later in life too. So you kind of saved them in that way. Right. And because if you think about it, right, one of the things that science has proven is 85% of our thought and behavior patterns are in place by the time we're seven years old. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. think about yeah, that. Yeah, really think about that. Right. And think about yourself at seven. Think about how old your parents were, right? Like mm-hmm. I often think that because my parents, they were both a couple of drama queens, <laughs> yeah, both same. of them. <laughs> yeah. So there was always a lot of this and that going on. And I remember just being a kid and watching it and thinking, I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. But when I got out of their house, I ended up in a relationship with a drama queen. So interesting. Because I was used to it. Yeah. And it was I was comfortable in it. And I was always very proud of myself that I knew how to defuse a drama queen. Mm-hmm. So then you involved yourself in that situation so you could defuse whatever that person was saying to you and you were the diffuser. Right. I was the diffuser and I was proud of myself. That I could do that. When I analyzed it all later, you know, at the time, mm-hmm. I was just being myself, handling things the way that I had learned to handle them when I was a little kid because I could defuse my dad very easily. Yeah, and you didn't see that, like you said, in right. those relationships. It was no. just something you were comfortable with it's what you knew. Right. So doing something else or going you didn't experience that yet. Right. right. And I loved my dad mm. so much. Like he was my person. So to have that ability to be able to calm him down when he would get into that, you know, crazy state, it what it felt good to do that. Yeah. So to find somebody else that would get into that crazy state and be able to bring them down from this heightened level of stress down to being calm felt good. Yeah, like, oh, I'm helping this person. I'm useful. Yeah, I'm (laughs) useful. (laughs) (laughs) I can do this. I'm a pro. (laughs) Right. And and when you go back and you think about it, I think I remember this coming light to me about 12 years ago. I went to this seminar and they were talking about it. And they were like, when you were five, how old were your parents? So crazy. Right? Because when I was five, my mother was 28 and my dad was 29 when I was five. So they were kids themselves Mm -hmm. still just trying to figure it all out. And we don't think about that. No, we don't. And Christina mentioned this a couple days ago and I never really thought that that concept like, oh my God, my mom was like, 23 when she had my brother like I can't imagine when I was 23 having a kid and all like how I was and everything I can't imagine the experiences that they were going through so it's you can't blame them for those experiences that you had growing up because they were doing the best with the tools that they had and I always say that no matter like what had happened like in childhood like yeah there was a lot of not so good situations but there are kids just figuring out the world and 
you know, you don't know what's going on in their brains. Right, and you don't know what happened to them when they were kids and exactly. how they took it on. Right, because you have no we, idea. Because we all take things on, mm-hmm. and it, we might be taking on something that wasn't the truth. Like, we talk about that in my book, Let My Legacy Be Love, where I believed it was the truth. But as an adult looking at it, I realized it was only my perspective of Mm -hmm. what was going on. I didn't know that my dad had PTSD from the war. I didn't know anything that had happened to my mom when she was a kid. Yeah, you don't know. I had absolutely no idea about any of them. So I made all these assessments with absolutely no knowledge and said, this is the truth out of all of that. Yeah. And. We all do it. We all do. You don't know, like when you're younger, you don't, you have like this one perspective on everything. And like you said, you grow older and you're seeing everything from a different light. And then you see them as you are now, like, oh my God, they have these experiences. Who knows what skills and whatever they develop, not skills, but things that they picked up from ages like from when they were born to age seven from their parents. And bottom line, we take all that on. Yeah, we do. And we make it our own. Mm -hmm. And it's our truth, as everybody's always saying, that's my truth. Yeah. But most of our truths are just our perspective. Wow. And so we have the power to change that. We do. We do. It's all choices and making a decision to go into a different direction and That brings us back to relationships too, right? Right. So when you're in a a relationship where you start to feel like, wait a second, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. You know, because I, you know, when I was dating when I was younger and even then when I was older after, after my marriage broke up, to be in that place with somebody and suddenly start asking myself, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I don't have to stay here. Yeah, no one's, nobody is saying you need to be in this relationship for the rest of your life. You right. can't go anywhere else. Like, I I totally, I mean, I experienced that too in a couple of relationships, like thinking you were like stuck mm-hmm. in it, but you're not and having that realization. And no matter what anybody tells you, like, if you're in a toxic relationship and they're like, this is toxic, you need to leave or whatever. You're not going to listen until you have that moment where you're drained and you're like, why am I here? Like, no one's telling me I need to be here right now. I'm just doing this to myself at this point. I'm choosing to be involved with this person and in the toxicity and contributing. And that is so hard to realize, but you have a choice that you can make to move forward. And yeah, there's a lot it's not that easy because there's a lot. Like you could say, there could right. be kids involved. It could be financial situations. It could be your own mind saying like, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. You know, there's so many things that go into that. Yeah, and a lot of people are afraid of being alone. Mm-hmm. Not that they need the money or they need the, they, they need that security yeah. of having another person. We are all so different that it's hard to understand how people might feel that way, but a lot of people do. Definitely. I feel like that was one of my fears of leaving a relationship. I didn't think I was going to find another person, which is so silly. I know when you think about it. It's so silly. After that, like, (laughs) you meet people, and, like, now I'm with my best friend, and I love him so much, and I'm so grateful 
for the experiences that I've had leading up to them, even though the not so good ones, because it taught me what I need and what I don't need. And I'm grateful for that. But again, none of this makes anything okay. I feel like I always need to say that because I'm not saying it's okay what they did to us, right? It's you're accepting it and you're moving forward. So. Right. And it's their responsibility, not ours. Yeah. And that's what they huge. The only responsibility that we have is to assess it and mm-hmm. then decide what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it might take a while to move away from it. Yeah. It may take a while to, to get to that point where you start to say, wait a second, what what is going on? How do I feel about this? Because yeah. I think that this is something that we – we often don't do in life because there's always people involved in everything. Like we've got our families, we've got our friends, we got our colleagues. What do I want? Yeah, it always always comes back to that, but we don't ask those questions because life can get so busy and there's so much going on that sometimes it's hard to just stop. It's not hard to stop, but just to stop and say, what do I want? What am I getting out of this? Like asking yourself those questions. A lot of people don't go into that because there's so many distractions around us all the time. Like I remember in the toxic relationships that I've had, I always, I was just surrounded by so much chaos and distracting myself. I never really asked, do I want this? Like, do I want to be in an unhealthy relationship. (laughs) Exactly. Like why, like you don't ask those questions. I was just in it because it was comfortable too. Mm -hmm. That's what I knew. I thought it was normal, but I wasn't seeing anything else but what was in front of me. I wasn't seeing that I had choices to get out of that. But instead I was like, it's, I'm just going to worry for the rest of my life. It's okay. It's normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of times it's like, what is... What is toxic for you? Yeah. And um, Janet and I talked about this and we came up with a list of questions that you can ask yourself mm-hmm. when you get into that space of what do I want yeah. out of this? What do I want? Mm-hmm. And you might ask yourself, is this person supporting me? Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean supporting you financially. I mean supporting you in something that you want to do with your life. Like, for instance, my marriage, Mike, because I was married a second time. I love music, and I am a singer-songwriter, as Jana knows. And I loved writing songs. And one day he said to me, you have all these beautiful songs and nobody ever hears them. Why don't you record them? And I was like, oh, geez, you know, I don't really know anything about how I might go about doing something like that. Because that was before you could just go to your computer and do it. You had to go to a studio. So, like a few days later, he came home and he had stopped at three. He had looked them up. He stopped at three different studios. He talked to the people (laughs) and he got pricing. (laughs) And he brought it home. And he said, you know, if you really want to do this, this is, these are three people that you could talk to. This is what they told me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's a supportive guy. That is very supportive. And that yeah. that's so good to have in a relationship. Like, why wouldn't you want someone supporting you? I remember I had a relationship where I would go out and do gigs and 
he didn't want to come to any of them. He came to one because his parents dragged him, <laughs> but he didn't love to see me on stage. He didn't want anything to do with it. And it he it was his own stuff. I'm learning he was it was his own insecurities, but now I have a boyfriend who will support me in anything that I do. And he's so happy for me mm-hmm. and the experiences that I've had and everything. And it's so nice to have that person by your side adding to your life, not taking away from it. Exactly. So it's like somebody who's not dimming your light. Yeah. That's so important to mm-hmm. recognize that when somebody is dimming your light. Mm-hmm. So the second question right? Yeah. Do they want to see you succeed, right? That kind of ties into what we were talking right. about. Like, do they want to see you succeed and, and do whatever it is that you want to do or you've always dreamed to do, or do they want to see you fail and do, you know? <laughs> or maybe not even fail, but just not, not do, anything. do anything. Yeah. Because a lot of people, it makes them uncomfortable I've been in situations like that with a number of people with friends that it makes them uncomfortable that, oh, I don't know how to do that, but I'll just go figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like everything, right? Think about how much I've just figured out in my life. And I didn't, I had, I have a certain self-confidence very, very deep inside myself that, first of all, God doesn't make any junk. Mm -hmm. And I've said that since I was a kid. And I believe, it's always been my sense that God, Buddha, whatever you call source energy, wants to see you have a good life. Right. And wants you to be happy. So I think that other people, a lot of times they'll start to like put you down. Well, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I've had people ask me that. Well, who do you think you are? Me too. And I'm like, I'm just me. Yeah. I'm you just... can figure it out. Yeah. Because you... somebody said to me once, well, you should write a book on how you record a CD project. I go, no, I can just give you a bullet list. First, you call the studio. Second, <laughs> you negotiate your rates. Third, you find musicians. Yeah. Fourth, you go to the studio. You know, and it was and it was funny because that particular person was really intimidated by the fact that I just went ahead and did it. That's what it is, right? The intimidation. I dated someone once who did not love to see I mean the last two people did not love to see me succeed and one of them just kept putting me down. He's like, You're so weak, like good luck in Nashville, because at that point I wanted to move to Nashville and mm-hmm. he was just like putting down everything like and what we were doing and just saying like, good luck with that. But it was just, I have all these dreams and passions that I want to do. And he didn't like want me to do any of those, just right. stay where I was at. And because he was comfortable yeah. with where you were at. Right. And we always want to be with somebody who wants to support us as we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I had, and we're going to throw this out there, in the relationship, can you be as big as you are? And I was working with a coach back in 2011, and I was dating this guy at the time, multimillionaire. Everybody was like, oh, boy, you know, you would be great if you were with him. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's not about, never been about money for me. It's always been about 
will you support me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you, would you like to see me succeed? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be there for me when I go win an award or whatever? Yeah. Are you okay with that? And she, when I was working with a coach, we were talking about it because at first when she found out who he was, she was like, oh, well, you, and I was like, no. And then after a while, I remember her saying, if you're thinking that you need to break off that relationship, you have to ask yourself the question, will I be as big as I am if I stay with him? And he was incredibly wealthy, but he was also incredibly insecure. So, and I realized that no, I wouldn't because I'd always be supporting him to lift him up because Mm -hmm. he had this huge insecurity inside himself Mm -hmm. and he was not there for me. When I would do something, he would kind of put it down and laugh. Wow. And I remember finally saying, what am I doing here with you? Mm-hmm. you yeah, know? like what, what is this adding yeah, to it was my like, life? Well, I remember the night that I told him that I, was, I didn't want to see him anymore. That's exactly what I said to him. I said, this relationship isn't adding anything mm-hmm. to my life. Yeah. And, you know, I was in finance for years. And some people say, well, it's kind of cold. But I, I said I always looked at life as a balance sheet or relationships as a balance sheet mm-hmm. where you've got your assets, you got your equity and you got your liabilities, right? Mm-hmm. And the equity is basically the time that you've put in and the assets are what good are they bringing to the relationship? And the liabilities are what bad are they bringing to relationship? Yeah. So when you start weighing one against the other, And that goes back to making that list. You know, you make a list and you, with your heart, what do I want? Yeah, what do you want? And you can write that down. That's super helpful. I remember Christina sharing that with me. Like, what is my ideal, like, person that I want to be with? And we wrote it down. It came true, you know, not everything on the list is going to come true, but like the main ones. 99%. 99%. (laughs) Same for me. 99% came true and more, like things that I didn't even think about too. And it's so important to get clear and ask yourself those questions because that is huge. Like, will you be as big as you are with this person? Are they going to take away from you? Are they adding or taking away? Are they going to be supportive? And want to see you succeed, or do they not want any of that? Like, right, exactly. So, just to kind of recap quick, quickly, eighty-five percent of your thought and behavior patterns were in place by the time you were seven. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah, really think about that one, and then start asking yourself, "What do I want?" If you're in a relationship with somebody and you're not happy in it, just ask yourself: Is this person supporting me? Yeah, do they want to see you succeed? And will you be as big as you are if you're with this person? And really go down that list of questions and ask yourself. That is huge. If you need any help with this at all, we are going to be doing a mini course on this topic. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned and we will get you that information out. Yeah, stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're ready to get real, follow us on social media. The links are below. And check out our website, www.manifestingmiraclestogether.com. Is there someone you know who is ready to get real? If so, then do them a favor and share this episode. Until Until next time. time.